You're listening to the Do Good Podcast, official podcast of the Do Good Collab, where it's our purpose to build a community with no boundaries that connects us not because of what we do or a specific interest, but to feel a shared mission and quest towards improving our collective human lives and the planet around us. If we can create a force for good that aligns us between all areas of work and expertise and lets us feel like we're on the same broader team while we continue our individual work, imagine the world we can create. You're about to hear me talk with Spencer Gordon Sand, founder of Ventro, where they're creating opportunity by allowing people to purchase attention from key global decision makers. Spencer envisions a meritocratic world where the best ideas win for the benefit of us all. The problem being that people in the world with resources who could and want to support and collaborate with those with fresh ideas and genius have very limited time to constantly meet and talk to new people. And a lot of the time, those with the great skills and fresh ideas and genius for whatever reason, just don't have the right people in their network to get the right feedback, to get the right perspective, to get the right funding, etc. So Ventro connects those with the network and resources to the best potential innovators. It's really more than that, as you'll soon understand. But Ventro is essentially eliminating friction when it comes to connecting the right people worldwide to get the best ideas in the world off the ground. Very in sync with our mission at Do Good. Let's get right into it. Wow. So I'm here today with somebody that I'm really excited to talk to. And this is Spencer Gordon Sand, the founder of Ventro. And his last startup was called Best. Spencer, thank you so much for coming on the Do Good Podcast. I appreciate it. Awesome, no, Matt. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited. Uh, hopefully people find this interesting. <laughs> they are going to find it interesting, no doubt. Can you just give like a brief introduction? Yeah, so um, before going to school even, uh, I was a pretty competitive fencer, fenced internationally for the U.S., some World Cups and Grand Prix, and I always sort of loved competition. And then what happened was I decided it was time to go to school, and so I went back to college, went to the University of Chicago and was studying. And, you know, that whole transition for me was really interesting. One of the interesting things about the transition back to school was that that there was something I kind of felt was missing from my competitive days as a fencer, and that had always been competition. So what best was, was a way to have competition with your friends that was healthy. Because what I found was a lot of the times when you're competing amongst friends, and you know, oh, I bet this is going to happen, or I, I bet I can do this better than you, that word bet had always been sort of a monetary thing, and that was always really weird among friends. Best was a mobile platform we were developing that allowed gamification of that experience, where you could wager sort of social media incentives with your friends instead of money, and it make it a more fun experience of that. So I, I was working on that for about a year, got some really cool work done with that, learned a lot from that process. We were featured by Forbes at the Under 30 Summit, named Chicago Innovations 2525. We made the final rounds with Y Combinators as well. Oh, wow, really? I yeah. Didn't re- I didn't know that. We were at a really interesting point in our tech development. Turns out just like making stuff is a little bit harder than you think. Um, <laughs> takes a little bit longer. Yeah. There's a lot of different development cycles we went through. And we, we were at a point of a decision where we either needed to sort of 
formally raise some capital or do some other things with the business. And one thing that happened at that point was some of the underlying tech that we had developed, some of the core concepts was really appealing to the chairman of the board of Vintro. And he actually ended up acquiring the company along with the tech that we had done and along with me, I guess is how that works out. So mm. now I'm working with Vintro. And what Vintro is, is a platform for people to engage with highly influential people, venture capitalists, angel investors, be it decision makers at firms, but these highly influential global leaders who just ha don't have that much time. Right. Right. And so the obvious question there is, well, okay, if you make a clear way for them to send directly the video to the person they want to reach, there are certain people who are going to be overwhelmed, right? That's why people don't just do this all the time anyway. And what's the most obvious mediating factor of anything is price, right? So what if they could charge for their time? Now, one thing that came up with that is some of these people, their time is quite valuable. That could be kind of expensive if you were to say by 30 minutes an hour, right? But what if you could get that first introduction in just five minutes? And what we realized through some testing that was really compelling was that most of those people, when they first get introduced to a new idea, it doesn't take them that long to know if they want to learn more. And once they want to learn more, they're hooked. And so what Vintro does is allows you to purchase five minutes of undivided attention from some of the world's most influential people. And in that five minutes, what you do, you send over a one to one and a half minute video pitching an idea concept, product, or service that you have, then they commit to spending three and a half to four minutes responding to that video via actionable feedback, be it a video response or an audio response. Now, what's really great about this is, is a couple of things. The first is for ventures who are pitching on this, none of that scheduling hurdle, right? Like if you right. want to take a meeting with someone, you have to, okay, when are we both available? Put it in my calendar. Then let's say you I have a change of plans, right? How much frictional time do we lose? And, and when we were talking to people who were very influential and they, that was a big thing they pointed to as to why they don't otherwise take these meetings. Because if you look at these people who have the resources to make things happen, they love taking this type of interaction. They love right. meeting new people. They want Thanks. to hear. They these want new ideas. to hear these new ideas. The problem is their time resource is really scarce. Right. And so much of the way things work right now is so inefficient for them. For example, right now, if you're trying to raise money, there's a huge incentive to reach out to anyone that will listen to you. It's a numbers game. If you want to reach out to 100 people, maybe 10 will take meetings and then maybe one will invest. But this means you're reaching out to 100 people, right? And that's actually not that efficient because the chance that, you ha that you're that you reaching out to the person who's most suited to talk to you is not it's that high. Unlikely, and you, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And you end up taking these meetings that waste both people's time. And so that was a big thing that we wanted to cut down on. Now, what's really cool about this five minute introduction format is five minutes of someone's time, even if they're a really, really important person, doesn't cost that much. It's really cheap. It starts at about $15. And even the highest end billionaires, is it's only a few thousand, which again, for small ventures is probably not where they're going to go. But for let's say- a Well, for certain people, that kind of opportunity exactly. being open to them is these high level individuals' time is so scarce, but you've engineered your system in a way that it takes advantage of it in a way that works for them. Yeah, and exactly. Exactly. I mean, I think the key point of what you're bringing up there is improving efficiency comes from decreasing all of these frictional other things right, that I talked about, right? right? Yes. Like the world is better off if engagements happen this way, because we all factor this price of our time into things anyway. Mm -hmm. Even if it's just like the time and literal cost to Uber to a meeting, sometimes you fly for meetings. The time spent setting up meetings is time in society that's basically wasted. So if we can mm. cut that down, I'm not saying this is going to replace in-person meetings. Absolutely not. This is going to be a stepping stone that gets you to really important influential meetings by having that filtering first, right? And there's a lot of people we've talked to who say, look, I would love to take these meetings, but I'm afraid my time's going to get wasted, right? And they don't take any meetings currently, but we've convinced some of them to take Vintros as a means to get there, which is, I think, really, really compelling and great for the world in general. Yeah, because I think as these people take Vintros, they'll reconsider how they're 
willing to allocate their time towards these interactions because they want to have them, but they just don't see how it's going to be realistic. And I feel like Ventro opens up this window for them to see, oh, hmm, this is something I can do. We just have to get rid of friction. And mm-hmm. for people who are wasting a lot of time setting up, scheduling meetings and whatnot, now they realize, oh, maybe I'm wasting a lot of my time. Yeah, yeah. And so something else that's really, really, I think, kind of cool and interesting from a nerdy economics sort of perspective sure, here go is, for it. <laughs> is the positive signaling here. So this is actually something we hadn't thought about at first, but we heard as we were talking to, uh, I'm going to use angel investors as an example, but there's a kind of a gambit of people on here, is that they love this concept because it gives this little bump, right? Even if it's $15 to talk to an angel investor, you're signaling to them that you think their time is worth it. And then the chance that you're a strong investment for them is much, much higher than if it was for free. Because as I said, right now, the spray and pray method where you're emailing a thousand people to like, Roll of the dice method. Exactly. And it's really hard from their perspective sometimes to figure that out, right? If you reach out via email and say, hey, you know, I saw you did this. I would love to meet. Here's my deck, right? Anyone could kind of do that. It doesn't take too long. It doesn't cost anything. And so everyone does it, right? And so the thing that we're seeing here is there's a monetary incentive not to pick every single person on the platform, right? Pick the person who most needs to hear what you are saying. And on a receiving end, they realize that's what you've done. That really positively signals to them, okay, this is serious. This is not just some random email someone sent for free. I mean, it's free to make a Gmail. It's free to send people emails. And then they don't check those ways because so many get in touch with them, right? Right, right. You slip through the cracks, but here's like, okay, you've got my attention. Let's have this conversation. It's going to be a real conversation because I know that you signaled to me that you think it's worth it. And therefore, it must be worth it. Because you have to make a whole video and everything. And more than the fact that you're paying for it, you have to invest your time and effort into it way more than a random email. Yes and no in that regard. Okay. So it's 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 a one to one and a half minute video. We encourage people actually not to do special effects or anything too significant. It should be a discussion, sort of, because the idea is that this leads to a discussion, right? Mm -hmm. Or their feedback is on how you can make it better. But but even a filmed video creates this sort of kind of transparency and authenticity that other Mm -hmm. forms of communication don't signal. Mm-hmm. And so in that sense, I feel like you are kind of taking a little bit of a step of vulnerability, which is an investment to me. Yeah. And the signaling is actually so important that a lot of the people we're working with don't necessarily take the money. A lot of them actually, we have an option to do this, donate it to charity. Mm, interesting. We are, we're working with several corporate partners. By and large, they are all just donating this to charity. To them, it's important to have that price, but they want that price to be a mediating factor for who approaches them, not mm. because they want the line item revenue. Right, it, right. It, there's some that are crazy cheap, like it couldn't possibly make sense to this corporate as a revenue item, but they're so excited to have this as a positive signaling that they, they put that out there. And then the splash result of that is that charity get helps as well, which is fantastic. I mean, anytime that you can sort of incidentally help great causes, I'm a huge fan. That's of. super this is cool. personally important yeah, to yeah. me, and I, I think it's a really cool sort of implication of that. I like that a lot. I didn't even know that. That's really interesting. And they're just using it as like a filtering process for getting the the best possible people to talk to in terms of what they need. Yeah, and it's just, you know, how do we stop spam and how do we make sure everything's really serious? Yes. And that's, that's the way to do it. How do we stop spam and how do we make sure everything is really serious? That's, to me, the ethos of Ventro. Yeah, it's, it's definitely like, part of it. You haven't officially launched yet. No, we're, we're sort of behind closed doors a little bit now. Okay, okay. How comfortable are you talking about where that's at? 
right now we're we're at a we're at a stage we have the platform developed in a way that it works mm -hmm. um currently what we're doing is we're doing some iterative testing on it making sure everything not just works but like really works and is a really great experience right especially for the people we're working with if it's not a fantastic experience every time they'll probably stop using it and that's that's the biggest shortcoming we could have to the world is if we don't get this done right like this is something we talk about within the company is like this is such an important thing that we're doing we think in opening up this opportunity in opening up access to these people who you previously could not get in front of couldn't possibly get a meeting with no matter who you were in a lot of cases unless you were one of their six closest friends opening up access to them is so important we literally sit there we're like how could we screw this up the only way we screw this up is if we if we don't launch with a beautiful product right mm -hmm. so we're, we're finishing that we're finishing getting some of the people onboarded ready to go it's usually not a great idea to launch in december uh because the holidays sometime after that uh i won't necessarily say more than that right now don't okay. want to commit to it on, on record but <laughs> we have a good internal uh timeline and it's pretty soon which is exciting cool super cool you've been talking about this a little bit but like so venture launches and people are excited things are ongoing how do you envision the network operating ideally on a day-to-day -day basis yeah, I mean, I think so. Something that we look at really closely is the experience of people. And that's what we've been doing now. We've had some sort of handheld testing behind the scenes. There's so much you learn at scale. Like there's there's a reason App, Apple does it. Every time Apple launches a new operating system, it doesn't work, right? Like that's always the headline. Mm. And that's entirely on purpose. The reason is okay. you can't test at scale unless you're at scale, right. right? Yeah. This is not to say that we're going to have something that doesn't work, but more, more, <laughs> like, more yeah. like there's a lot of lessons that we're going to learn as we're live and in the marketplace. And part of our work right now is making sure we're ready to track the like, okay, what's the data we're learning about behavior here? What is helping people be the most successful? Um, there's a couple of ways you can approach a launch and you can, you can approach a product. And one of them is, okay, we've built the best per possible thing. It's going to work perfectly. And that's just never how it works, no matter who you are, no yeah. matter if you're Apple, no matter if you're Google, no matter if you're anyone, let alone a newer company, right? What you need to do that, and this is the thing that makes people successful is we're launching. We have an idea of some of the variables that we don't know about or that might be what is impactful here. And we're tracking, we're looking at them really closely and we're gathering that early feedback. Uh, that's, I think, one of the most key things that entrepreneurs often get wrong is assuming that things will go right when they launch. When mm. what that breeds, and I've seen this happen before, is if it launches and it's not perfect, then people freak out because something's gone wrong, right? But that's part of the process, right? Now there's some key things that it's gotta be good, right? We spent a lot of time on cybersecurity. Mm. That has to be really good. That you don't get a second shot at right? Yeah, yeah. So anything with payment details, anything with personal information, that has to be super, super, super rock solid. But when it comes to how do you improve the user experience, the answer is you improve it off of information you gather from users using the product, right? right? The thing I can't stress enough is you have to be set up to understand what's going on and iterate on that, right? Maybe you launch and it's the perfect thing and it, it explodes, but that's not typically how things work. So do you think just generally more entrepreneurs should assume that things are going to go wrong when they launch? Like, do you think oh, for sure. more people just don't do it? And if they did, that <laughs> their whole process would probably improve? Proof. Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, this is something that I, I learned a lot too from talking with That's so interesting. developers, right? This is very much a developer's mindset, right? It's the not saying don't be optimistic. No. It's saying prepare in the best way possible. Something not quite being optimized isn't failure. That's right. success. If exactly. you know what went wrong, right. that's success, right? Like yeah. a great example of this, I actually heard from one of the one of the guys at YC who funded Airbnb was one of the things, very interesting story of, what, of Airbnb. I encourage everyone to go like learn this full story. It is, it is. I know it as well. One of the things that they figured out was the photos people were taking of their houses were really bad. They went around and they took professional photos of the Airbnb listings. And I think that like tripled the amount that people were actually purchasing the, the, yes, it was, the Airbnb. Yeah. And, and so you might not guess that that's the thing that's going to break it, right? It might have been 
and that that didn't matter to people at all. And then you could spend your time doing something else. Like I'm sure this cost them time and money to do correctly, right? It could have been that that wasn't gonna be a factor, but what was great was they were able to figure out that's what it was, right? Mm -hmm. They were attentive to that. And that's one of those things, it's easy now to be retrospective and be like, oh, well, they should have known that. But no, that was like a really course, yeah. subtle thing that it makes a lot of sense they got wrong. And that's why a lot of people who are really stubborn succeed is because not because they believe their way is always correct, but because they believe that there's a minute thing that will, when changed will improve it significantly. And I think that's a really healthy attitude to have uh, yeah. towards launching something because Again, it's not like they did something wrong. They did it right, and then they learned something, and then they iterated on that learning. It's like judging investments based on information of the past. Like, oh, of course they made the wrong bet, but how were they supposed to know based off of that period in time? And yeah, no, so th this is sort of like a, a zooming out for a second. This is a mm -hmm. life philosophy thing that I think is, is also really key. If I gave you, say, a 100% chance to win $10 versus I gave you a 10% chance to win $1,000, which would you take? The 10%. Right. 10% because your expected value is 100 bucks versus 10 bucks, right? Now, nine times out of 10, I won't get it. You're going to feel like an idiot <laughs> after this, right? Like, yeah, yeah. But the thing is, if you keep making that call making... in life, you will end up ahead, right? right? This is somewhat tangentially related to what we're talking about. But mm -hmm. I just think this is a really key concept of like, just because something doesn't immediately work out doesn't mean you made a wrong decision. Right. It means and that's the whole value some, of yeah. persistence for a quote unquote unrealistic goal. Because mm -hmm. with enough persistence, then it's not, it totally makes sense to keep going. Yeah, yeah. Because it's, it's, everything is a numbers game too, right? Yeah. This is something that we think a lot about at Ventro too, is people are playing this numbers game. It's exhausting for them. They're reaching out to a thousand VCs, getting those hundred meetings, you know, of which 10% are maybe like actually the right people to talk to, right? Like it's all a numbers game, but we want to give people better odds, right? right? If you know the right person to reach out to, if you look and you're like, okay, I don't just have to look in my immediate backyard, but I actually have the world as my network. One of the, our test companies that we looked at was a company out of Northwestern and something they struggled with was they really wanted to find an investor who is in health tech who was a female, right? Because the founders were female and that was really important to them. And there were health tech investors that were part of the Northwestern network, but none of them happened to be female, which is really unfortunate. But it happened to be that in our network, which was the Northwestern network plus Chicago plus sort of this global network of like everything, we had somebody fit that bill. And that was fantastic because they got to reach out directly to someone who it really made sense for. Um, because we have such a wide sweeping network, you can find the person that really matters to you and then your time is better used, right? It's not gonna be 100%, nothing's ever 100%, but 30%, 40%, 50%, right? That's better much than 1%, better than yeah. point, yeah, that's, that's much, much, much better. And it uses everyone's time better too. Important to us too is, is that the feedback people get on Vintro is actionable, right? They are required what you're paying for. They really respect that you're paying for this, they, even if they're donating to charity, they really respect this is their candid actionable feedback. Mm -hmm. How can you improve? How can you make the next person convert? How can you improve your messaging? And why that's really important is because right now, the way things work, when you go to a VC, and this is something that I've experienced many times and- Personally. Personally, and it, it is the most frustrating thing is when you pitch to someone and they go, that's fantastic, I wish you the best of luck. Because what that really means is I don't like it, but I'm not gonna tell you it in those terms because I don't wanna upset you and there's no reason for me to do so. Maybe later down the road, you grow, I was wrong and I can invest in you then, but I don't see it now. And that is really unhelpful to entrepreneurs. Yeah, yeah. The other thing too is I've seen investors as a way of getting out of a situation where they don't like the product they're being pitched, say something to the effect of, oh, this is cool, but if you added XYZ, maybe it'd be more interesting, instead of actually like discussing what the shortcomings yeah. they saw in it were. And big part of Vintro too, and the reviewer side is because this is the product they're providing for you, right? They're gonna be more candid. This is something we, we make sure of when we're, when we're bringing them on board is they're gonna give that candid feedback, that actionable feedback, because that is what you ask them to do. Yeah. And, and I think that's a really key point of changing this paradigm as well. This is all a numbers game. So you're just, every time you get that feedback, 
the probability that you are successful on your next introduction is higher. Right. right. And that that's really important. The numbers continue to be further and further in your favor. They start out better because of what Ventura is versus the real world, but they continue to be better. Is Ventura not the real world or it won't <laughs> be soon? It's the better world. Okay. That we're <laughs> so it's the real world we want to be. Yeah, yeah. Um, it hasn't launched yet, so the real oh, world yeah, is yeah. devoid of intro. But uh, the better world is coming soon, and uh, everyone should be excited for it. Yes, I am. Hashtag better world coming soon. So I almost got put into the Ventro network when I was trying to launch the Do Good co-working space, which I was looking for a loan and kind of before I backed out of that launch, I was sending you these 90 mm. second videos uh, back and forth and you were having me, I'm, I'm grateful that you were able to actually like personally correct me yeah. on my videos back and forth with this very specific criteria that you have for how the videos should be. I'm really curious as to hear you talk about the importance of that criteria and like how you thought through why the videos should be made in that specific kind of way. Yeah, so I mean, this is what's what's really interesting here. As, as Matt did allude to, we Matt was part of this early testing group that uh, hey. we were doing. Unfortunately, I know there were some changes with Do Good that had us wait on the whole, on some of those introductions. Don't worry, hashtag better world coming soon. Better world coming soon, of course, <laughs> yeah. So um, again, you know, this started as something that was a similar concept. It was one and a half minute videos on a Tinder-ish interface. So we actually had data hmm. about what was effective and what wasn't effective in that, in, in back and what the crowd was. And so that informed a lot of what the guidelines were and our suggestions were. And then also, as I said, we've been doing testing for quite some time, both of you and with other entrepreneurs. And that's also really informed it. We've gone to some of our closer contacts, shown them some of the videos as part of their Ventro and sat with them and said, okay, what was good about this video? What would you rather seen? And what's been really interesting is far and away, the thing people want is feel like it's a dialogue. It's the beginning of a conversation. That's like what this is. This is the thing that like, again, email is also really bad at. This is why we settled on this video format. We could have had it be, it's like an email they have to read, right? But that's not as engaging. The human aspect of this is so important. This is what the world is going towards, seeing someone talk. And again, it's not high production videos. The videos that were successful, some of the most successful videos were literally selfies shot on iPhones, right? It doesn't have to be higher production. As a matter of fact, higher production than that, people didn't like to see. If it doesn't it have that raw, right, right, yeah. yeah, yeah. If it doesn't have that raw element, then it's like, why are you trying to put up a front? Right. People don't want it to feel like commercial, right? Right. Yeah. Even though it is you promoting the thing you're talking about, there's a sentiment that is, if you want this to lead to a dialogue, let's start with a dialogue. Right. And I think that's really yeah. important. And you kind of have your criteria set up where you try to make it so that people are really expressing themselves in a way that comes off as a dialogue. Fundamentally, we want people to succeed. We want people right. to raise their capital on the platform. We want people to find the perfect mentor. We want people to get the right feedback they're looking for. We want, that's why we're building this, right? Anything that we can do to increase it even marginally, the percentage, right? To give you better chance in that numbers game, that is what we are obsessed about right now. Awesome. Are you comfortable talking a little bit more about like that testing you've done and what kind of videos people have been sending and what you've learned or... Yeah, yeah. So some of the things that's been interesting is there's different use cases, right? So I'll walk through a couple of them. For sure. One of them, the most obvious is sort of venture capital, people looking to raise money. There, there's a little bit of a longer feedback, right? So no one is going to watch the video and immediately cut a check, right? That's not how this works. But what it does is it opens up, okay, I'm interested. Let's have that next dialogue right. and let's continue. Let's take this off the platform. That's our goal. We want you to take it off. Fine to us, right? We're excited for you to have that real world connection that just started here, right? Another use case that we found really interesting 
discussing was in corporate entities. So corporate entities are actually, some of them are reviewers themselves on the platform. Most of these entities have purchasing departments either for SaaS products or literal acquisitions. That's another use case we've been exploring. And they're really excited because they get these calls all the time from sales people here and there. Oftentimes they're, we're literally not the right fit for their product, so we don't take the calls. But then there's this tech that actually is improving operational efficiency and we really want that. Yeah. Right. And so that's why, and as I mentioned earlier, most of these companies, they're just donating the cost of the Vintro to charity, right? And it helps with their social responsibility. And they're putting someone there who has purchasing making power. This is an open pathway, right? Another use case, some of the people we've been able to bring on are really cool people, but they're not looking to invest, but they do want to become involved in helping people grow. And they have really deep industry knowledge. Some people said, look, we're not raising capital, but we have questions. We want to know something like, we, how does this industry work? How does this work? Oh. Like we want to, we need a mentor. We need someone on our board of advisors, right? That that's another use case that they need someone who's out. really there experiencing or knowledgeable about whatever they're trying to figure out with what they're building in the world and somebody who they can tr trust to give them the right feedback. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And, and then sometimes even too, it's introductions to other people. Like there's certain industry folk who know everyone in the industry, right? And they don't know who they need to reach out to. They don't know the right person, but they know that this person will, right? Here is my situation. Here's what I need. Do you know someone who can help me? That's an ask we've seen. That was not something we necessarily had thought of immediately, but it makes a lot of sense. So much of the world is just unknown, right? And we're helping to try yes. and pick away at that <laughs> and helping give people tools to get in front of the right people. Pick away at it in the most efficient way. Exactly. Efficiency, yeah. efficiency, efficiency. It's and efficiency like makes everyone better off. I guess in a weird way, I've thought of efficiency a lot in a default way as raw speed, but speed now I'm starting to see it as this byproduct of just getting rid of friction. Yeah, and yeah. So, I mean, speed is helpful. It's part of it for sure. But doing wrong things fast, right? Are, like that's not efficiency. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Can we talk a little bit about your core values? I'm curious to hear you elaborate on those. Mm -hmm. So on your website, you have Ventro is impartial. Mm -hmm. What do you mean by that? Yes, yeah, so, I mean, that takes a couple of forms. One of the things that's really important to us is that this is accessible for everyone. One of the core sort of fundamental things here is there are certain people in the world for whom this network is already accessible, right? The right, global yeah. people with these if crazy Bill connections. Gates. Exactly. If you're, if you're Bill Gates and you pick up the phone, most people will pick up, yeah. right? <laughs> yes. Turns out if you're just about anyone else, that's much harder. And But that's a thing that has kept innovation down because that is inefficient right. from a societal perspective, yes. right? Interesting. The best ideas don't necessarily come from this class of global elite. From the most established people. They don't necessarily, right. no, no, that, that is foolish to think, right? But the ideas that get the resources to execute on as it serves before Vintro is that group because right. they can pick up a phone and call a person and they can call anyone, right? What we are aimed to do is just give that to everyone. We're impartial. Mm. I don't care who you are. I don't care where you come from. This tool, this network is yours. Yeah. And it's part of a goal, right? It's not directly achieved. There are some people for whom some of these introductions, you know, there is a cost associated. And, and that is something we realize as a barrier. Now, we think it's still the fastest, cheapest way to get in front of them, but it's something we're working to improve, working continually on how do we make it cheaper? How do we make it more efficient? How do we make it more accessible to everyone? Because you also don't want to say, hey, welcome spammers. Here's now the best exactly. way to spam people. You want to say, hey, welcome most genuine people who just didn't have the right method of finding the right people. Right. And, and that's the hard thing, right? Because if, if we say, well, if, if we do welcome spam, if we do welcome these other things, then it's really welcoming nothing because right. that will just kill the platform. Hmm. So that's why we are taking an approach of making sure everything is efficient and good for everyone. And we're continuing to whittle away at any sort of barriers that are there. And again, these are people you literally could not reach in the past unless you were maybe Bill Gates. 
<laughs> Here's the real crux of this, right? Is the way things work before Vintro. The person who gets in front of the person with resources is the person with the best network. That is the deciding variable that gets them in front of that person. Not the best idea. Sometimes those are related. Hmm. Hmm. But in an ideal world, the world we're striving for, it's the best idea that gets in front of the hmm. person, right? You're like trying to dismantle the old age quote, it's not what you know, it's who you know. You're like, fuck that. That is true. We're just but, trying to get you to know everyone, right? <laughs> right? Like we are okay. trying to get you in front of, and we're doing that. Like that's that's the point of this. Yeah, is, yeah. It's totally right. This is how the world works. Success is so much a factor of who you know, who you can get introductions to, who you can meet with, right? That is really important. We're not saying that we're, and like, I think this is a really important part of, of understanding how we're approaching this, right? Is we don't think that the answer is have no one know anyone. Right, the answer right. is have everyone Every have the same clear path to everyone, mm. right? It's not perfect, but it's a huge step, we think. Yes, A huge I positive agree. step. Big step. As I've said a couple of times, we haven't fully achieved any of these goals yet. That's the point of setting goals, right? But this is what guides our decision-making as a company, making sure that these are what we're doing. This is why we make certain decisions is along these lines. If it doesn't line up with our goals, we're not gonna make that decision. A good example of this is, is the charity option. Is allowing uh, reviewers to join to charity directly to the platform the best business decision? Like, absolutely not. No, that's not best for our bottom line, but it's really in line with our core mission. So we were sitting there, yes. we're looking at this, we're like, you know what, we have to do this. This is our mission. And I think that's a really important part of also growing a company is what's important to you as a company, what's important to you as founders is defining that and then rigorously following it and never lose sight of it. I think that's so, so important. Hmm. Kind of going a little bit on a tangent, on the podcast, I kind of talk a lot, a lot of, with people about collaboration and not so much about competition, but I understand that there are also kind of tons of benefits to competition and there are people who are more receptive, so to speak, to competitive systems. And I would consider you one of those people. Is that a fair <laughs> Yeah, that no, a fair I, I'm definitely a competitive person. This is true. <laughs> so I want your take on the benefits of competition and your experience, when and why competition should be embraced. But I also want to hear whether it's in an organization, an industry, or with people pursuing similar things, how we can compete and collaborate together in the most ideal way. Yeah, no, I think this is this is, this is definitely a multifaceted question, but I think it's a really core thing and I, I, it relates to Ventura, it relates to what Best was doing. Really what it is, is a couple of things. The first is the person who wins, how does that decide it, right? Or the person, Venture, or whoever mm. who wins, how is that decided? That's a really important question. Along what axis? And as I just said, for us, the person who wins, the person who gets allocated the resources that, the scarce resources that we as a society have, the capital, the advice from the really important people, really brilliant people, who gets that resource? should be decided meritocratically, hmm. I think. Unfortunately, it's not always done that way. Unfortunately, a lot of how the world works is right now is that competition for those scarce resources is decided by something other than merit of the idea. Hmm. That to me is a huge shame. That is when competition is less effective at creating a great outcome, right? Removing yes, those barriers agreed. is so important to that. Now, another facet of this is losing isn't always bad. And this Agreed. is something we have already touched on this on this podcast. And this is like, okay, you're competing for scarce resources. Let's say you're pitching to venture capital. They're not going to fund everyone, right? But how do you make not getting the capital as beneficial as possible? And that's why mm. the important feedback that we we're talking about, the, the candid, actionable feedback is so important. Yes. Is because that's part of this, right? Like in the competition of the world, it should be merit that decides it. And when merit decides it, the world is better off because better ideas come to fruition, right? You have no, we have no idea for generations how many of the most 
influential, the most life-changing, the most world-improving ideas have just died in someone's head because they just mm. didn't happen to be Bill Gates with the resources to pick up the phone and call anyone in the world, right? Right, right. I mean, it's countless. That's what we're, we're looking to overcome at a really high level. And I think Ventura is a really important step towards it. And that's why it is so compelling to me as a platform. How do you think we mix collaboration and competition in an ideal way? There's obviously challenges, right? I think one of the hugest challenges is how do you make not winning feel different from losing? Yes, yeah. Like there's a difference here, right? Because there is. Like, do you think of the Olympic silver medalist as a loser? No. But they didn't win. But they didn't win, yeah. What about the person in third place? They probably really feel like a loser. What about the person in fifth, fourth place? This this is a... had the great um, experience of being able to train and compete with a lot of these Olympians. And 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 I I know many of them. And there's different approaches to how they think about this, right? Anyone who's got fourth place at the Olympics will tell you that it sucks. Now, how does this interplay with collaboration and doing other things is how to make sure that everyone gets a marginal something. Yes. So this is a really key thing that I think is important about understanding it from the Olympic perspective. For a lot of athletes, Olympics is sort of the end, right? This is this is the ultimate thing they've been training for. The final count. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But like when it's the last thing, that's kind of hard. But when it builds on other iterative processes, it's much easier. And this is actually, I think, an opportunity in the startup world, in the collaborative world that's different from what you think of as competition, from sports competition, is after the Super Bowl, it's the Super Bowl is over, right? That's not how things work in the real world. If you have a company and you're raising capital, if you don't get capital from a venture capitalist, you got to move on to the next one, right? Again, it's a numbers game. What's important here is how do you make that silver medal, that bronze medal, right? If you're very close to getting funded, but you don't get funded, you didn't get funded, right? Mm Mm-hmm. But that doesn't mean you didn't gain something that experience. Right, right. And so how do you encourage that is, I think, the fundamental question. Now, if I had a fit-all answer of how you do that... (laughs) I don't think there is one. There isn't, right? But I think that's the thing to consider, right? How do you make it beneficial to everyone involved? I feel like there's creating ways for people to gain more out of the quote-unquote losing experience. But then on the flip side, there are things we can create to help people change their perspective on the losing even being losing yeah now i I do want to put a a caveat here which is there's something that i've seen in like youth sports that i Mm. really don't like which is the participation trophy everybody wins like that's not true and actually that feeds this problem even more because if people think everybody wins then when they get to the real world and they don't win at everything they're confused yeah yeah the best lesson sports ever taught me was how to lose Mm. How to lose, get up and compete the next day. Yeah, yeah. How to lose so badly, get up and compete the next day and gain something from it. Because if you don't have that attitude, I used to play competitive chess. The first thing that that they did in kindergarten, if you wanted to go to a, the kindergarten tournaments, the only requirement was that you had to not cry when you lose. Because that's important. Really? Yeah. It's, 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 that it's, was their requirement? Interesting. Because like everything else, you're going to learn along the way. But if you let your losses defeat you, now you shouldn't ignore them. If you ignore them, you're going to keep losing. That's for sure. This this goes to the product thing that I was talking about earlier, right? If you're developing a product and you ignore the things that aren't working in the product, you're going to lose, you're, you're right? Fucked, yeah. But this is what I'm talking about here too of like, you can't consider that losing. Right. If your product isn't working, if you got your bronze medal for product performance, you got to look at it and say, why is that not working? And improve. And this is what's awesome because you don't get a second Olympics. Most people, right? You don't get another Olympics, but you get a chance to change your product, to iterate on it, and to, to act on that feedback every single time, right? Because if you consider losing some kind of conclusion... Exactly, it's not. Then 
Right, yeah, yeah. There's always another competition. Again, except if you're the Super Bowl Olympics, which is why it's really great <laughs> that we're not talking about those things, because that's a much more complicated yeah. question that I don't have an answer to, is how do you make getting fourth place at the Olympics? I mean, it's uh, the Olympics and the Super Bowl is just the most extreme version of it, because there still is another Super Bowl. There still right, is another right, Olympics, but right. it's just the most extreme form of it where right. you lose. And it does, at that point, feel like the most more conclusion than any other... Right, and I guess, I guess actually the Super Bowl is a good example of, of, the, of, the opposite of, of the opposite of that, which is that like, okay, if you lose the Super Bowl the next year, you got to take what you learned losing the Super Bowl and iterate on it, right? Yeah, like yeah. Olympics, hopefully you make the next Olympics. Most people don't make that many consecutive ones, but mm. no, I mean, it, it's, it's all about feedback. And again, this goes back to, it's all sort of interconnected, right? The idea of probability that we're talking about earlier, your probability increases if you're iterating on that feedback, if you're learning from the losses, if you're, that is how you get those numbers up, right? Almost nothing in life is guaranteed. Nothing is 100%. Mm. But 1% versus 10% versus 30% versus 70%, those are hugely, meaningfully different. Again, you're never going to know exactly where you fall on those numbers, right? Yeah, yeah. But just knowing the direction you're moving, whether it's iterating on feedback, whether it's learning from your losses at the Super Bowl, whether it's improving from your feedback on Vintro, whether it's any of those things, that is what's important, right? Are you trending upwards? Are you making your odds as high as they could be? Are you improving those odds every day? That's the thing you have control over. Yeah, yeah. The, the probability, I mean, if you have a 90% chance of something happening and it doesn't happen, that you had no control over. But right. you had control over it being 90 and not 10. Right. Yes. Right. Yes. And that's that's the thing to optimize over. I love that. That's a great point. What do you think makes a great founder? There's a lot of different founders out there that are really good. Yeah. I mean, this this is a tough question. There's not something unilateral across There's all not, of them. It's not something universal. Yeah. But I'll keep going back to this idea because I very much believe that I'll, I'll say this. There there is um, there's sort of I've seen a romanticization of stubbornness. Hmm. which is part of the equation, but also could be part of the equation that's why some people don't succeed. Part of your downfall, yeah. So you're unwilling to listen to critical stubbornness feedback. Stubbornness doesn't have this nuanced distinction between two really distinctly important things. The first of which is stubbornness could mean you believe something, you continue believing that, and you're not going to listen to anyone else. That is bad. Now, stubbornness could also mean you believe something, and when it doesn't pan out, you want to see why it doesn't pan out because your core belief you think is important, right? How can you adjust other variables or parameters around that to drive that core belief forward? That kind of stubbornness leads to success. That's so important. Being able to figure out what variable to change, that's so important. How do you know what the right things are to listen to? So, I mean, that, that it depends, right? It depends on the situation. As much as possible, you want to be listening to everything, listen to people that's important but also look at the numbers yeah yeah if you really believe in what you're doing it's there's often going. variables you can change just kind of to wrap this up on your website it says that vincho creates opportunity by giving people the power to purchase attention from key global decision makers and so we talked a lot about this already but i really want you to elaborate for a little bit on this idea of creating opportunity for others that I feel at least that that's the real sauce, so to say, of Vintro's recipe, that you're creating opportunity. How are you planning to create opportunity with Vintro? Vintro, again, is about this improved efficiency in the world by a vehicle of introduction, right? Because currently, so much resources are tied up by so few. And those people are really hard to get in touch with because everyone wants to get in touch with them. So our mission around that goal is to give people the ability, a clear and actual pathway to reach that person that's within their ability to obtain, right? Everything else we do is just part of that. The five minute introduction format, the 90 seconds 
pitch video, the asynchronous nature of those introductions is all towards furthering that goal because we found the better we make that experience, the more optimized, systematized that is, the more people were willing to sit down and have those interactions. The more people, the more of those interactions could be had by those people, right? The more efficient the world was, the more opportunity gets opened up. And this is not just opportunity for the venture, for the people who get to reach out. It's opportunity in a more broad sense for the world because it's the opportunity to have that fair competition, that competition where everyone has the same Rolodex. Everyone has right. the network is the same. Everyone has the global network in their that pocket. That bureaucratic competition. Exactly. Yeah. So they can get in front of exactly the people who they should be getting in front of, not try and get in front of anyone else, and just improve efficiency of how things get done. Here's a key concept here, right? Is that a world where only some of the ideas get heard by the people who can make them happen is necessarily worse than a world where every possible idea gets in front of the people. As I said before, you have no idea how many people have had brilliant ideas, have had ideas that could change the world, maybe make the next med tech item that could save hundreds of thousands of lives, right? You don't, we don't know how many of those people can never get their idea off the ground because they're not in the right geographical location. They don't have the right connections. They didn't go to the right college. They didn't even go to the right high school. So whatever it is that's holding them back. Who knows? Yeah, who knows, yeah. right? We, we, we don't know, but I think it's huge. Yeah. Right. And if those people could get in front of the people who are able to make that come to fruition, then I think the world is just strictly better off. Mm. And the math works out that way, too. Agreed. Spencer, how old are you? I'm 22. Smart young guy. All right. Well, I am super grateful that you were able to come on the podcast. The only thing that I wrap this up with is who uh, would you potentially be excited about reaching out to potentially to talk to or collaborate with because i have a very wide range of listeners from very different walks of life in very different industries and then how can people contact you we're at a really cool stage where we're actually we're growing our 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 group of people who who were putting through these beta trials we're always growing our network of um of reviewers so if you have a venture or opportunity and you want to get in front of someone reach out to us send over a video we are taking some people through sort of again a, a closed version of this but we're, we're helping some people out even before the formal launch so if you want to get be a part of that definitely reach out if you are someone who is listening to this and you control resources be it as a venture capitalist maybe you've um are a purchasing decision maker at a firm, or maybe you are a professor or someone with insight that is valuable to others, um, reach out. As I said, we're always growing our network. And yeah, I mean, anyone else who wants to get in, in contact in other ways can can reach out. You can email us at support at myventro.com. That's M-Y-V-I-N-T-R-O.com. We also have Instagram. Uh, if you want to reach out to us there, go give us a follow. Uh, LinkedIn as well. We're on all the platforms. Uh, pushing those out soon uh, once we once we formally launch. So get excited, really excited to engage people there. Uh, and you can check out the website too. Awesome. Thank you so much, Spencer. Again, I really appreciate it. That's a wrap. Awesome. Whoever you are, wherever you are, you're appreciated. I appreciate you for taking the time to listen to this podcast, whether you liked it a little or a lot. And I hope you feel inspired to join us on this shared mission to improve the world alongside each other and the quality of our human lives. If you want to learn more, visit our website at dogoodcollab.com. That's dogoodcollab.com. I put this podcast out at least once a week, so stay tuned. Truly, we can live an amazing, enjoyable life together, but we have to make it happen together. Let's make it happen.